0: CHAPTER 59 Mocha's ACCIDENT
1: I was standing in my front room by the window at approximately 7 p.m. All of the windows and doors were open in my house. I heard a tremendous crash and then a thunk. There were no screeches of brakes before or after these disturbing sounds. TESTIMONY FROM NEIGHBOR Robbie Derrick Started those fillies At the pens this morning You know the buckskin And the bay Before the wind Started blowing too hard At the mid part of the day The driest spring In 91 years The radio played on set Irving Berlin She's a hundred years old today The wind's gone and blown my woman away The basil little sweetheart Yeah, she is pretty much like her mom Buckskin train Took me twenty minutes just to get the calls on She's smart and she's fast She don't like people She trembles as she stands Irving Berlin is a hundred years old today The wind's gonna blow my world But God Almighty, is it ever going to rain? Are you ever coming home? I wonder if old Irving ever wrote him a song About blowed out country, a marriage gone wrong, and a cowboy. Happy birthday. God bless you. Are you glad just to be alive? The hockey game's on tonight from Boston. I got the orders in five. Tomorrow I'm going to try and fix that tractor. Try to keep my mind off you. And Irving Berlin a hundred years old today the wind's gone not blow my old away Irving Berlin is a hundred years old today the wind
0: Mocha grew fast. By the time she was three months old, she weighed nearly 500 pounds and stood 13 hands high from the ground to the highest point of her shoulders, 52 inches above the ground. Once we trained her to take the lead line, we took Mocha outside of her pen. She could explore the world while I showed my neighbors the newest addition to my horse family. To pony her, I attached a long lead rope to Mocha's halter. The line was probably 15 feet long. I held it in my right hand because it was my stronger arm. I attached my end of the rope to the saddle horn to prevent the baby from getting loose should the line slip out of my hand. Initially, these sessions were short. I ponied Mocha a few times around the oval in our front yard, quickly returning her and mom to the paddock. After a few days of successes, it was time to pony her down the road. I left work early, excited to share this experience with Abby and Adam. Once home, I ran inside and announced to the kids we were going out for a ride. I haltered both Casey and Candy Bar, brought the three horses from their paddock, and tied the two adults to the hitching post. I quickly brushed down the adults, cleaned their feet with a hoof pick, threw a saddle blanket on their backs, and saddled them up. I changed the halters out, for headsets, and gathered my pony rope up. I put Adam on Casey. He was only seven years old, but was skilled enough to ride him. I put Abby behind Adam, gave Adam the reins, hopped onto Candy Bar, and the entourage slowly moved around the yard. Once we gained a bit of control and confidence, I clicked at Candy Bar while squeezing my legs and we headed to the road. Mocha followed Candy Bar at the end of the pony rope, and Casey comfortably walked behind us with Adam and Abby on his back. By coiling the line in my right hand, I can control the distance Mocha was from us. I was most comfortable keeping her within about six feet. We turned west onto the road. It was a late summer afternoon, and the sun was shining at a severe angle. I had to tilt my hat to keep the sunlight out of my eyes. Besides keeping an eye on Mocha, I needed to keep track of Casey and the kids, and urged Adam to stay close. We walked up the road about a half mile. Because this was new to Mocha, I didn't want to overwhelm her, so I yelled to Adam that it was his time to head back. Casey liked this turnaround idea. When Adam pulled the reins telling Casey we were going back home, the fellow's ears bent forward in alertness, and he picked up speed. I yelled at Adam to slow down. He was on the right side of the road, and I wanted him to move to the left side, which was against traffic. We always did this at this particular location because the winding road in front of us allowed no protection from vehicles in the right lane. As I was yelling these new directions to Adam, I saw a compact sedan come toward us. I told Adam to stop right there as I moved Candy Bar off the road. I turned Candy Bar around so we could watch and wave to the car as it drove by us. I pulled Mocha up as well, and she was quietly standing in front of her mom. Her head was near my knee, both her hind feet were still on the asphalt. But the road was open, and everyone else had gone around us with no problem. As the car headed toward us, it was facing right into the sun. I could see it glinting off the windshield. I sat straight up in my saddle, proud to be showing Mocha to the neighborhood. Adam and I were in two different places along the S-curve. I was situated at the bottom of the curve, and Adam stopped on the other side of the road at the top of the curve. I watched in growing concern as the car approached Adam. The vehicle did not slow down, and it was not following the curve. It passed at high speed about two feet away from Adam, Abby, and Casey on the side of the road. The car only just missed them, continuing a straight line through the S-curve without slowing down. My concern changed into disbelief and then horror as I realized the car was staying in a straight line and coming directly at us. It slammed right into Mocha's rear end. The impact lifted the quarter-ton filly five feet into the air and threw her 12 feet off the road into the grass, snapping the nylon lead attached to my saddle. Only after the impact occurred and the car was past the accident scene did I see brake lights come on and the car slow. As soon as I realized the car hit Mocha, I ran into the middle of the road and chased after the car. When I saw the brake lights come on, I moved close enough to memorize the license plate number in case the driver pulled away again. But the car stopped and a young man got out. I immediately demanded his driver's license, as I didn't know who he was. He complied, and I ran back to the filly. The young man was Eric, who lived up the road with his parents. Eric stayed and helped me. I asked him to drive me to my house so I could get my medicine chest. While he was taking me back, I gave him his license. He told me the sun blinded him when he came around the bend in the road. He said he didn't even see Adam and Abby on Casey, nor did he see me with the filly. Eric added he didn't know what he hit until he got out of the car. We drove back to the horses, and I tranquilized Mocha to keep her from struggling. More neighbors gathered around to help. Antonio offered me the use of his stock trailer because my two-horse wagon was too small to transport a horse down the road. With the help from Eric and others, we loaded mocha and candy bar. I brought my medicine chest into the back of the trailer and told Mary I needed to stay in the back with mocha to make sure she remained sedated. Mary took the kids in the truck with her. It took us almost two hours to drive to Alamo Pintado, the horse hospital in Santa Inez. When we made it into the compound, Dr. Mark Rick met us. I worked under Mark during my equine surgery rotation at vet school while he was completing his residency in equine surgery. With another fellow's help, we unloaded the filly. I mostly leaned on her to keep her down and quiet. We could feel an abnormal movement of grating in her right rear leg and set up to have her x-rayed. I waited out of the room while the x-ray snapped, going right back in as soon as I could. The x-rays would be out in a minute. Then we could see our options clearer. As Mocha quieted, I noticed her other leg looked different, swollen, maybe askew. Oh no that leg was fractured too I felt similar movement Mark there's crepitation in this leg too it made sense this was the height of the car bumper the impact crumbled both of mocha's hind legs there wasn't a thing that could be done even if we had a million dollars Mark asked me if I wanted to be the one to euthanize her I thought a second yes there's no reason not to do this this was my charge my patient and my girl I put her down myself. Pulling a syringe from my medicine chest, I filled it with pink euthanasia solution and put her down. The trip back home was horrible. Between us, Mary and I cried the entire way home. We didn't talk much because there was nothing to say. Two days later, Eric and his parents came to our house to discuss the matter. Eric didn't say much. I told him we'd let the police investigation determine fault. I felt the insurance company would have little problem paying the claim. Eric said he was sorry and admitted to us that he didn't see a thing. Separately, Eric and I went to the Templeton, California Highway Patrol office to give our respective views of the accident. The CHP declined to deliver an opinion of the crash because they felt there was not enough damage to justify an investigation on their part. Mary knew I was hurting badly. She took it upon herself to find a replacement filly. Nine days after the accident, she announced she connected with a paint horse breeder east of Modesto who had a weaned filly for sale, just a few months older than Mocha. We named her Mocha 2. The insurance companies became involved following the accident. Both Eric and my family carried insurance through Cal Farm, and after several months of investigation, the company decided Eric was not entirely at fault. In his report to the insurance company, Eric told them he had seen the horses, had braked his car to slow down, and could not avoid the filly as she was too far out in the road. Because of the conflicting statements, the insurance company offered to pay only half of the $2,500 replacement cost. Because Mary and I felt wronged, I filed a small claims action. I added up all of the potential costs that would have incurred if another veterinarian had been paid to do the work that I did to create a viable pregnancy and bring it to term. The new bill came out to $5,569. I sent the information out to CalFarm, but received no reply. Therefore... A court date was set. Mary and I put all of our documents together, along with a letter explaining the events, as well as the rural nature of the road. We pled our case in court and won a settlement of $5,000, which was the maximum amount awarded in a small claims case. We couldn't get Mocha back, but we were able to replace her with another filly who we grew to love just as much. End of chapter.
1: Thank you for listening. The entire autobiography can be purchased as an old fashioned paper book or an e book, as well as an 11 disc audiobook set, or can be downloaded from the audiobook site Spotify. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com. Thank you for listening.